Yes, amen. Well, we're going to get into part, uh, uh, what, what, what uh, session are we in? Is it part, part three? Part three is, um, do you remember what the title is? What kind of Christian are you? It's a question that we should, a question that we should ask ourselves. What kind of a Christian are, am I? Am I a compromising Christian, a lukewarm Christian? Am I a Christian that pursues the heart of God, that loves God, even though we are not perfect, uh, but there is a, a, a desire uh, uh, to strive to be more like Christ? Are you a Christian that is complacent? We've been looking at the um, four groups that Jesus now described, and we just got to make sure that we're not in group one, we're not in group two, we're not in group three. And so group three we've been looking at uh, because uh, the group three Jesus describes uh, in the book of um, uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, um, in that parable, he describes a group, uh, 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 fawns and thistles end up choking the word of God out. So group one, group two, Group three, the various circumstances where when people come to faith in Christ, make a profession for Christ, and they begin to now walk with God, then obstacles come their way, different obstacles that we've been looking at. So please, if you have not seen it, look in the archive. And they turn away from following Christ. They turn back. They were saved. But because of situations, perhaps they did not expect. And um, uh, they allow those circumstances to shipwreck their faith. They were completely shipwrecked in their faith. They turned away from following the Lord. And so... Uh, we're going to continue on uh, uh, this um, uh, third group of people that Jesus describes the thorns and the thistles as being the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this moment, Lord, that we have to break the bread of life to your people today. I'm asking, Lord, that you'd anoint us, that you'd equip us, Lord Jesus, to deliver your word effectively. Lord, help me to rightly divide the word of truth. Hide me behind the cross and lift self completely out of me so that you can speak through these lips of clay and that your people would receive and your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, uh, we pray. And so, um, Matthew 13, we were looking at this whole parable. And um, Jesus, in this parable, it's a really strong parable, really detailed parable, because he starts off saying something in parable, but he gives the explanation of these groups of people where 
the word of God went forth and people received. And then, for one reason or the other, they stopped following Christ. I must say this third one, because there's four groups. This fourth group of people, money that we all have to be aware and watch out for. Because money has a way when it comes to make people comfortable. In other words, you become so comfortable that you're no longer seeing the need to seek the Lord. One of the things you've got to be careful when in your time or years or whatever of struggling and believing God for that breakthrough that he spoke to you about, that business that he's going to give you um, and, 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 and bless you with, that you can spend so much time uh, uh, praying for that so that when now the breakthrough comes, because most of your time, your prayer time was taken up on praying for breakthrough, breakthrough, then the breakthrough comes and it's like, what do I pray for now? Because most of your spiritual journey with the Lord was taken up in that situation. And so you find that uh, there are people that have come into finances, they got a promotion, they got some inheritance, uh, whatever, uh, went for and um, they start their business, they start whatever, and now they're spending less time with the Lord, less time at church, and they are on a pursuit. So um, as we looked at last week, that money has its temptations um, where you can get more money, but at the expense of uh, you coming to church at the expense of uh, you spending time with God because now you are, find yourself so busy that you're no longer reading the Bible. So it's very subtle. The enemy is uh, very subtle and cunning. And this is one of, the, one of the prayers that I pray. Lord, help me to detect the subtlety and cunning ways of the enemy, how he attacks. Because if something is subtle and cunning, you don't see it just creeps up on you and all of a sudden you don't even realize, oh my gosh, I used to spend this time with God. What have I allowed? Oh crumbs, this has happened and now I'm finding that I, I, I can earn more money and spend more time doing this and spend more time doing that. And, and God understands because I, I, I give an offering to the church. And so we use it as a cover-up, and before long, uh, uh, the, the thorns and the thistles that Jesus spoke about as now choke the Word of God out of us. So uh, you can find yourself lost, blotted out of the book of life as a result of money. So Jesus calls it deceitful riches because you have allowed uh, 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 riches, money to deceive you. So we all have to be aware of this thing. You know what your walk is right now with God and, and some of you know some of the things that the Spirit of God has spoken to you concerning your 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 destiny and things that you're going to do. God will raise up entrepreneurs. God will raise up businessmen and women. God will raise up multi-millionaires and millionaires. In his church, uh, uh, so that his, 
His, his work is able to be financed. And so the church don't have to be looking to the world and you can get money. We can use this building for various things and get money. But uh, 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 in the contract, local government, you're not supposed to uh, proselyze, to uh, evangelize or have anything to do with sharing your faith. You can have com uh, computers set up in the side hall. There's nothing wrong in that and, and stuff like that. But when you begin to get into a covenant that you cannot share your faith, then that cannot be God. But you're doing it because you can get the money. Got to be careful. Money now begins to choke out the word of God, God's standards, God's holiness, God's principle out of one's life. And you begin to compromise. You begin to literally bow. It's a subtle way, it's a very cunning way that the enemy uh, will maneuver to choke the word of God out of you. You profess to be a Christian, but you're really lukewarm, you're compromising, and now you're in that position where you deny the power of God. You, you make excuses because finance is flowing in, and but... Your relationship is not the same. A lot has changed about you. Your, your principle, your character now. Uh, you're more carnal in your conversation and not spiritual. The way you used to talk about your love for God, that's on a back burner. These are things that we've got to watch out for. This is uh, uh, some of the things that uh, uh, the deceitfulness of riches. And because we all have a fallen nature, we are susceptible to these things. And so the Spirit of God highlights these things because uh, 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 you cannot resist these things in your own human strength. Becoming more like Christ is the work of the Holy Spirit in us that he can highlight if there is a spirit of greed, mammon in our lives, uh, that we will compromise our standard to get money. We'll begin to do things and make excuses. And we've got to watch out because these are subtle and cunning ways of the enemy that has worked for Satan over the generations. Many has fallen as a result of money turned back in their faith. They're still going to church, but their hearts are far from God. And so we have to check ourselves. Lord is there. And so things could happen. God can, and he will test us when it comes to money uh, and so forth. And it's, uh, it's so important to be obedient uh, to the Lord because he will test us. Um, where there's an opportunity to make money, uh, but not kosher. We find ourselves compromising and then making excuses uh, uh, concerning those things. And, and then we forfeit really what God really has for us. We settle for something far lower and rejoicing over that when God had something enormous for you, but because he could not trust you,
trust you with the riches of uh, this world, the little riches, then he won't be able to trust you in, in much. And so uh, you forfeit. And many Christians have lived in the low call of God. Many Christians have forfeited because the Lord tests and will try you in the area of money. See what's in your heart. Um, the greed, the, the, or the meanness, the stinginess, um, if you are very flippant and just spend money like that, or you're just mean, all these things, the Spirit of God will begin to uh, show up in one's life. Look at the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, and verse 28. Proverbs, chapter 11, and verse 28. He who trusts in his riches can we trust in money absolutely when there's a lot of it there seems to be a great trust in that that is able to secure me give me security for the future and so you you don't see god as your security very easy to do that you see now money as your security and what happens if there's something place you have an opportunity to invest in a venture that really looks promising and so you put your money we hear about those things that's happened and all of a sudden bam because now your trust has diverted deviated from your relationship with god to money and the venture and that now crashes what happens to the person they crash they get angry, mad with, mad with everybody around them. So, he or she who trusts in his riches will fall. So, you won't see the fall coming. Because things would always look rosy and look secure. But you can't outdo the scriptures. The Bible says you will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Why is that? Because obviously they may have money, but that's not where their trust is in. Trust is in the name of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. So even if something happens, okay, they can be shaken a bit, but their love for God goes on. Whereas the other person who deviate from the Lord in trust, but they're still coming to church, but really their trust is in uh, that uh, secured venture, and then it goes pear-shaped, then they are all over the place. They're angry with God, and, and they cannot... Um, they end up turning from God. Again, this is what Jesus called the fawns and the thistles. Choking the word of God. Let me have back the, um, um, thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. One, two, one, two, one, two. We're on, we're on. All right. Okay. So we've got to be careful of that. All right. So um, here we have. So look at what the writer of Hebrews 
uh, goes on to tell us. The Apostle Paul, Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 uh, to 6, tells us, let your character. So this is, this is the main area of our Christian walk, our character. All the different trials and, uh, that we go through is to develop our character, for us to become more like Christ, for us to die to self, become more like Christ. But many times it has the opposite effect on people because they cannot see um, uh, what, what is going. So let your character be free from the love of money. Now that sounds uh, similar to uh, the one in Timothy that Paul wrote to. Uh, that the love of money. Notice it doesn't say money. Money is not the root of all evil. Money is not evil. Money is neutral. It depends whose hands it is in. Money has, it is just neutral. It has no character. It is whose hands it is in. If you are a person that loves the Lord, then it's going to go for good. If you're a person, you, you're Christian, but you don't really love God as you should love God, and you've got a greedy spirit, then it's going to uh, make you worse in that area. And so, um, but we are commanded, let your character be free from the love of money. Being, being content, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And so, looking at my life, okay, so when money comes into your hands, uh, when large amount of money comes into your bank account, comes into your control, what are you like? What comes to your mind? See, this is where the Holy Spirit wants you to see what uh, as been down in your subconscious behavior, character changes with a lot of people because they they are handling large amount of money. Again, we looked at that last week. You have a, a sense of self-importance. I am important now because I have money. Because money is a, gives you power uh, in the natural, and so pride. Uh, can begin to take over. Again, what is coming up out of you that we need to not just ignore or go into uh, a state of denial, but we need to, whoa, Lord, is me. Help me. We need to run to the cross. We need to run to Christ. And we need to give him these things that we see that is coming up in our lives. How we are changing, how we feel that we are whatever it makes you feel like. Your feelings, you got to watch your feelings. God gave us feelings. Uh, but Satan can uh, tamper with our feelings, uh, and, and so we feel that we are better than others. You see that with some rich people, wealthy people, they, they believe they are better than you because they have money. Until that money is gone, then their God is gone, and they don't want to live anymore. Because that was their hopes, that was their dreams, and, and, and so... Um, 
uh, the Lord warns us in the scripture because Christians are not exempt from these things. Because again, this is written not to the world, not to non-Christians, but to Christians. It is written to the church. And so you could imagine then that the copies of these epistles, letters, were made available to the churches and they were read out. So those in the congregation, uh, that their character has become marred because they believe they have a higher status because they've got more money. And so the person who's a, who hasn't got as much money, they are of a lower status. It's just crazy. I remember when the postcode, was it the postcode? Oh, no, uh, the code, the, um, uh, the, 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 the telephone code changed. You, you had uh, 0208 and 0207. And you had people moving into areas where it's 0207. <laughs> because that seems to be, that, that was obviously people of a class, a different class. It's just crazy. You, you, you see what this, uh, uh, how the devil just uses things to divide the world and, and, and it's coming to the church. Because I have a good job, I have a good earning and stuff like that. I, I do not want to fellowship with you. And you can see that this is split the churches, and you've got churches that are very wealthy, and then uh, people who have uh, a high profession, they're in those churches, and uh, others there uh, who are not of that profession uh, are in other churches. And so this is what we have been warned, my Lord. The third thing that money can do to you um, is, is that... It's an, makes you, it's an easy master in your life. What do we mean? Okay, let's look at the Word of God. Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. You cannot serve both. Again, this is to the church. God and money, mammon. You cannot serve. And so what? does that look like? If you're serving the Lord, you're living for the Lord, right? I mean, you can't see God. So if, I, if I'm saying I'm serving the Lord, I'm living for the Lord. My, my heart is, is towards God. My desire is towards God. I'm doing things that I know that God will be pleased. So, so the opposite then, my desire is towards making more money at the expense of my relationship with God, doing the things of God, living for God. I let my guard down, but I've got that cash, I've got that money in my bank. I can do more to lose your soul, to gain that and to lose your soul. That's what happened to this third group of people. Their soul was lost. Because the thorns and the thistle, life, uh, and, and making money. Uh, and this is something that the devil will tempt every Christian with. Every Christian in these four groups. These four groups that Jesus highlights will come into each and every one of our lives. But especially this third group. 
And uh, again, you know, uh, if, if, this, if the Holy Spirit is convicting us in this era, it's not to stick our head in the sand. It says, Lord, have mercy on me. Help me. I, I, I give you this era of meanness in my life. I give you this era of greed, of mammon. I, I, you know, I want to be rich. I want to have lots of money. Why? And then you, when you sit down with yourself and begin to allow the Spirit of God to unpick things, you, you're thinking, whoa, is, is God, is that inside of me? Lord, I repent, I renounce. And you just start renouncing. Nothing wrong. It's good. It is good that the Holy Spirit can highlight these things. Because otherwise, these things will choke the Word of God out of you. And you find your name blotted out of the book of life. Because you end up serving money and not God. The pound will promise you happiness. If you sacrifice, and people have done this, they sacrifice their family, they sacrifice their friends to gain a little more of her. But in the end, she, the pound, will leave you alone and broken. Worst of all, the pound promise a life of ease and comfort surrounded with all its trappings and favorite things. Yeah, you can gain all of that. We can see time and time with, uh, with celebrities um, ending up depressed and killing themselves. Why? You got all the fame, the popularity. People are, are laughing at your jokes, your programs, your films are blockbusters. Everyone knows. How comes you are depressed? You find out with most comedians, don't you? You know, it's the most comedians. They have both bipolar, depression. What's that about? You make... Others laugh, but you yourself are depressed. Doesn't it sound like a paradox? What's going on here? And we had some famous ones that have committed suicide. And yet we, we, we see that and we're thinking, well, that would never happen to me. I, I, I just want money. I just want money. At the expense of what? And then you get some Christians that they just don't care. I just want money. They are watching all these celebrities, watching these music videos, and, and, and they look so happy. They look so contented. And if I can just get a few hundred thousand, a few millions, then I will buy myself a yacht. <laughs> I'll buy myself this, I'll buy myself that, and the other, just what I see with these celebrities, and I will be happy. I will arrive. I will feel important because I've never felt important all my life. I always have been put down and, and spoken against, rejected and dejected. Now, 
and you find these people are not happy. And, and why is it that Satan uses the same thing over and over again? Because it works. People just believe that, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not going to be like that. I, I will be happy. And, and, and they take that in hook, line, and sinker. And so, uh, and again, God wants us to have things. He wants us to have a nice home. And, you know, it, it's fair. Uh, uh, but, you know, God wants to deal with our hearts. He wants us to have, uh, drive a nice car. He wants us to have nice clothes. Uh, but again, is that your drive? Is that your desire? Is that your emphasis? Where does the cross come in, into your life? Where does your relationship come? What, what can you actually say about your experiences with God? What, what testimony do you have of God? Is it still the same testimony 20 years ago, 10 years ago? What about now? What has happened to you? See, this is good when we can check ourselves. You used to have regular encounters in one way or the other with God. Revelations. What, what, what has happened today? Why aren't you having those encounters? Well, when was the last time God revealed something to you that really sparked an excitement in your spirit? There's so many dead Christians spiritually dead, but they're going to church, or they're part of the dead congregation. You may have seen that uh, footage I put up of uh, Robert Sliadin. Very, very powerful. So at the end, it will leave you alone and broken. Worst of all, the pound, the promise of your life of ease, uh, surrounded with all your trappings and things, and uh, and that uh, before you realize it, it's, um, you're just alone. Every possession, every investment, every business requires more and more of your attention to hold it all together. And it ends up choking when you make that first Make Christ first, you can have all of that. God gives you wisdom. The Holy Spirit helps you to be able to deal with all those things. You find that people have sleepless nights. They have billions. And when you have billions, you've got investments in several parts of the world. You don't just have it in one part of the world. And so you've got to keep your, your up by 3 o'clock uh, because India is 5 hours or 6 hours ahead. And and so you've got business there, you've got to see what's going on there, you've got to see what's going on there. And it's nothing wrong if you can structure your life in that way. But when that becomes your drive, that becomes your time, you, you can't sleep, you're worried because a, a war has started in the Middle East and you've got investment in oil, oh, you know, and the anxiety. You can't even enjoy your life. Wow, no wonder Solomon says, all is uh, vexation, vanity and vexation of spirit. He observed the rich, someone who worked very hard, got a family, worked very hard, very diligent uh, in uh, uh, 
his work and gain so much money. Then he's thinking, it's going to be passed on to my children. How are they going to use it? They never had to struggle like, so they won't have that same care. And he watched these rich people thinking, oh my gosh. All is vanity and vexation of spirit. And he gives a list of all these different things that he encountered with the wealthy and their money. He says, I observed a person that had riches but held it back to their own hurt. Riches but held back to their own hurt. You got Christians who have wealth, who see the work of God, but holding it back, won't give. And then something goes horribly wrong to their own hurt. Everyone should take a cue out of Solomon, who, who are rich, or who are looking to be rich, and see what the whole conclusion of the matter is that he came to. And the Bible tells us that we don't know if he came to God. He did. We don't know if he came back to God. He's not even mentioning the whole of faith in Hebrews 11 when you look at the list. It's not mentioned there. A man loved by God and was given a blank check. Literally. And yet Christians are falling and falling Constantly, when money comes their way, or they are chasing money at the expense of their relationship with God, at the expense of what God has told them to do and what God has given them to do, and they have put in that side to try and get all they can, can all they get, and still not getting anywhere. Or you have, and Solomon says, I observe another person who had money, but didn't have the health to enjoy it. All is vanity and vexation of spirit. You got all the money in the world, yeah, and all of a sudden something happens. You're diagnosed with this, this now happens with you, a stroke takes place, and you can't enjoy it. Read Ecclesiastes, it's an amazing book. When you look at all these various people, and then we are warned in the New Testament because it seems that people don't learn. And God wants us to learn, and especially as we're living in the last days and what God is going to do. I have no doubt, as I said before, there are people that God has his hand on that are going to handle large amounts of wealth. Multi, 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 millionaires, billionaires, because of what God wants to do with the money, the vision. Not for a person to be building their own empires, their own kingdoms, and it's all about them. You know, it's all about them. This is all, you know, give this because we want to preach the gospel in all the world. And they're not even preaching the gospel. They're just preaching prosperity and self-help messages. That's not the gospel. And yet people are sending their money to these people. They come from nations that are, are, are poverty-stricken. And yet what, what, are, what are they doing in those nations? to relieve some of the poverty, to get the gospel into those places. 
Revelations. Look at the book of Revelations. Let's go into the book of Revelations, chapter 3, 17 to 18. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched. You won't even feel that if you have need of nothing. You feel, I am somebody. And yet the Lord says, you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Boy, that's really offensive to a person where money is no object. That you're saying to them, you are wretched, poor, blind, and naked. Because they've allowed money to think that they're something. They've been preoccupied with themselves because of money. They have used money to uh, manipulate people. You can buy people uh, very easily with money. Get them to do what you want because of what they uh, uh, will give you. Money makes the world go around. We understand that uh, Solomon said that money answers everything. Talking about material things. And so that's why people feel powerful. Um, if you're driving a whole banger and all of a sudden a, a Bentley drives up before you, uh, besides you, and, and, and they look at you, you can see <laughs> that look that, that they give you uh, because they feel they are somebody and you are nobody. Money. It deceives Some believers falsely assume that a lot of material possessions are a sign of God's spiritual blessing. Laodicea, this is the church that we just read, was a wealthy city and the church was also wealthy. This is really interesting. But what the Laodicea could see and buy had become more valuable to them than what is unseen and eternal. Wealth, luxury, and ease can make people feel confident, satisfied, and complacent. So this was the church at Laodicea that was wealthy, rich, and yet the condemnation that Christ heaped on that church, the woes that was levied on them um, is speaking today of, of people who have become at ease in Zion. Their love for God, their love for the things of God is not there. Was there before? Now it's not. So what does that tell us? We've got to watch out how we can allow allow money to make us think that we're something that we are not. Apart from Christ, we are nothing. But obviously, when you have a lot of money, you're going to feel better than everybody else. It can give you that uh, deception. And so, to 
to have a remark like what Jesus gave, it's insulting, it's offensive, I'm leaving the church. Verse 18 tells us, this is the advice that the Lord gives. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments. That you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with the eyes of save that you may see what was going on in this part of the world. They had a medical center there that was known for curing eye disease. And that's why Jesus talked about the ISAF, because people came from all over to this place and this medical center in Laodicea and, um, and was able to have their eye problem treated. Let me just give some more details on that. Laodicea was known for its great wealth, but Christ told the Laodicea to buy their gold from him. The city was proud of its cloths, fashion and dyeing industry. And so, uh, but Christ told them that they were naked. So it was well known for its fashion, its, its, it, the dyeing of clothes and stuff like that. It had a great industry there. They would have had all of these things. That's why Jesus used his analogy, you are naked, you boast about where you are and what you have, but truly you are naked. Wow. You imagine when this was read out to the folks there, how they felt. I, I, I think most of them were offended. And, and that's what happens at times when you are, are, are correcting, giving constructive criticism to someone with large amount of wealth, how dare you? If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have this building. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have this era of the ministry going. It was my money that funded this. And, and, and you come and you are constructively criticizing me or, or correcting me. Who do you think you are? Why? Because they've allowed that money to elevate them. They become deceived to think that they are more than what they really are. It's because of the money. And uh, so many stories of people that come into money or have money, and then all of a sudden they're diagnosed with stage three cancer. Stage four cancer. Now the money doesn't mean anything to them because they can't take it with them. They've worked all that time and I remember growing up this barber that was well known and he just worked seven days a week seven days a week he was one of the first barbers seven days a week and uh, working and working and working and cleaning all this money and then he had stage four cancer this man didn't take a day off 
obviously what happens is that you can become very mean and you know you, you probably see a hundred thousand pounds and you just want another hundred thousand pounds oh let me just work hard and get another hundred thousand another hundred thousand and then when you think you're going to okay i want to enjoy whatever you can't enjoy it your health is gone and you are dead you are out of here what a wasted life chasing the wind and never arriving you're chasing the wind and you're never there. The deceitfulness of riches, Jesus calls it. The thorns and the thistle chokes out the word of God. There was a call of God on your life. God called you. What, what happened? Well, this door opened and I found myself in this part of the world and that part of the world and this part of the world. But you know that God didn't call you. But, but, but. And when they stand before God, what would they say? Don't be caught out by Satan's subtle and cunning ways. The Laodicea was proud, pride itself of its precious high salve that healed many eye problems, but Christ told them to get medicine from him to heal their eyes so money can blind become spiritually blind can't see the correction that is coming to you because you have allowed the money to make you something that you are not so that's not for me and that, that can't be for me why the Jewish people back then and it's the same today with the word of faith they looked on riches as a blessing from God that if I am rich, then I am blessed. If I am poor, I am cursed. That's how they looked at it. And it's the same way with the word of faith. That's why they talk about their jets. They talk about their designer clothes. They talk about their houses. They talk about their cars. What God has blessed them. What is God saying? And what is God saying? And they can't tell you what God is saying. All they can talk about is material things because they look at material things as being blessed by God. If that was so, then what about Bill Gates? Is he more blessed? Or the Saudi prince, those in the Middle East, are they more blessed? Elon Musk, again, you can go on. They're more blessed then. If money then is a sign of God's blessing. When you make that an emphasis, obviously you're going to chase it. Wrong doctrine. Wrong doctrine has shipwrecked so many in the church um, uh, because they look at material things, so they take out higher purchase on a high-performance car. And they say, I am blessed. It's not, it's not even paid for. It's on a higher purchase. But God has blessed me. So it's now showing off, I am blessed. When the name and claim it came about, the doctrine of name it and claim it in the 90s, in the 90s, this was a, a word of faith teaching that uh, just name it and claim it. So if you see that car, name it, claim it. And it says, I name it and claim it. You saw your name, something, and claim it in the name of, I claim this in the name of Jesus. I claim this in the name of Jesus. 
And so now for their lifestyle to match their words, they now have to now show. So they're buying expensive stuff and to show people that I am blessed. See, nothing of, of Satan has changed. It's just a different time and different wrapping paper he uses. God can bless us with finances, but that is not the uh, sign to say, well, I am blessed by God. I'm, I'm favored by God. It's dangerous. Oh, my Lord. So Christ was showing the Laodicea the true value was not in material possession, but in right relationship with God. Their possessions and achievements were valueless compared with the everlasting future of Christ's kingdom. So if one is basing their spiritual standard of blessing based on the material things, and that's not as we have clearly heard, then what does God look at? What is it that we should be really chasing then? Look at Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66 and verse number 2. Look at the person that God takes notice of, okay? Isaiah chapter 66 and verse number 2. For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, will I take notice. On him or her who is poor and of a contrite spirit. So this is not talking about physical poverty. This is talking about blessed are the poor in spirit. You're bankrupt in your spirit. Oh God, I need more of you. That's the poor in spirit. You cannot get enough of God. You're not satisfied regardless of how much God has used you. Lord, there is more to you. And Paul says, oh, that I may know him at the latter part of his ministry. Having been to heaven, having raised the dead, having done so many things. He was saying, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. That's a poor and contrite spirit. This is the one that God takes notice of. This is what every believer should be striving for. On this one, I will take notice. Who is poor and contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. There's a reverential fear of the word of God, you know that you're doing things that are wrong. And there is a fear of God. Oh God, I want to live for you. I don't want to be like this anymore. God says, I'm going to take notice of you. Come on. That's, that's the person that God looks at. Take notice of. That's the one that he's going to raise up. Is that you? Begin to pray for that. God, give me a poor and contrite spirit. Oh God, I want to be bankrupt in my spirit to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I want more of you, Lord. God, your presence 
is what I need. You can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong. Isaiah 66 verse 2. Underline that. Color that in your Bible. Because this is what God takes notice of. It doesn't matter how many jets you have, how many houses you have, how many cars you have, where you live. means nothing. You know why? Because you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. You see those crazy people that have died, right? I don't know if you've seen those videos. They're buried with their um, Bentley cars. Took out all the inside and put the body inside the Bentley and put it in the ground. One guy had $2 million um, uh, uh, dollars worth of gold chain. Well, guess what? Someone broke into the grave the following day or that night. I mean, come on. We, 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 we got the lessons from the pharaohs. They tried it. 5,000 years ago. And we dug up their bodies, dug up their tombs. We saw their wives, we saw their jewelry, we saw everything that they thought they can take into the afterlife. And still idiots, idiots are being buried with their Rolls Royce, with their Bentley, with all their bling bling, with all their 10,000 pound suit and their nice hat and everything like that. And they're there in the casket looking at these crazy people. The same crazy stuff is still going on. Thinking they can take it with them. You can't take it. And yet this is where a good section of the body of Christ has been focused on money, wealth. I am blessed if I have a lot of money. I am cursed if I don't. I remind us of this wonderful, beautiful scripture that we should be chasing after, desiring. God, give me a broken a spirit that is bankrupt, that always is in need of you, regardless of how much you may use me, regardless of all the accolades and what people say, God, that's wonderful, but God, I want more of you. I need you. Welcome. And so we must be looking uh, uh, to the Lord. Uh, uh, constantly, sadly, great segments of the church, the Christian church, have adopted for the greed message, which is in direct contrast to this statement of Christ that we just looked at in the parable. It is not wrong to be rich, but it is wrong to place emphasis on riches. To make it a priority. Or if God does bless one with such, not to, be, not to use it uh, uh, for his glory. So God bless you and you don't want to uh, obviously give to God. Regrettably, only a precious few do use acquired wealth for the glory of God. Whilst far more allow these riches to choke the word of God in their lives. And they become, as, as Jesus says, unfruitful. So, what is the basis of this uh, greed message? The basic foundation of this teaching is that God wants everyone rich. 
that this is the basic foundation of the greed message, the prosperity gospel, the word of faith gospel, is that God wants everybody rich. That is not true. We visited that briefly last week. Um, Jesus said, and I remind everyone, Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always. Just that debunks that statement. So if, if you are, as I said before very clearly, God is not against riches. You need money. You need money to evangelize. You need money to go on missionary work, right? You got a vision. God says, I'm going to take you to this country of the world, and I'm going to use you there to reach out to the people in that area. Well, you're going to need a ticket to go there, right? It costs what? Money. You're going to need to remain there. It costs what? Money. And then to build, you not only bring the gospel, because wherever the gospel went, the, the standard of life was changed. Standard of living changed in those areas across the world where missionaries went. They brought the gospel, they brought their change of standard of living, completely changed. It took finance, it takes finances. You may have a business and God, you got a, a residual income and God has set up, set up that business. Now you can live off the residual income, still have your house, rent it out and go over to missions and obey God. But someone says, but I want to make another million. I want to make another million. Until you're diagnosed with stage four cancers, and now you're standing before God. Or your health is completely gone as a result of your disobedience, disobeying uh, uh, the word of God, uh, the voice of God uh, that he spoke. And so um, everybody's not going to be rich. Paul wrote to Timothy, says, tell those who are rich. Those. It wasn't everyone. Speak to those who are rich. He didn't say everyone in the church was rich. So it shows you that God will raise up wealthy individuals, entrepreneurs. Like the Lord would have taken through a time of just uh, the fire and the flood and whatever so that the money doesn't have a hold on them. So when he speaks to them, they are quick to uh, hear, they have an understanding that money cannot purchase happiness. And all, we've all heard that statement, but in the back of some people's mind, they don't really believe it. It will give me happiness. I will be far more happy. Obviously, it's far more happier to have money than not to have money, but if you believe that it's going to give you all the happiness that you need, you find that many people now suffer shipwreck in their families, shipwreck in other areas, and they're not happy. Don't be fooled. Consequently, this becomes the goal, the goal, the priority, and actually the entirety of the embodiment of the message of these individuals with their so-called faith being Use towards that end. Get souls saved is not given precedent in that type of teaching. Getting souls saved, the prosperity gospel, no. Getting rich, emphasis. Getting rich is the priority. Getting rich is the goal. 
getting so saved, do we have to remind ourselves of the great commission in Matthew chapter 28? What did Jesus say that we ought to do first? Go and get rich first. Go ye in all the world, right? Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel. Start where you are in Judea, then move to Samaria, then to the uttermost parts of the world. Is that the emphasis, church? Why are we not hearing this in a lot of churches? Because the greed, the greedy nature is taking preeminence. And you can get more bums on seats if you make prosperity money the emphasis. Material things the emphasis. So this was happening 2,000 years ago in the church. Backslidden, but still going to church. Paul had to write that concerning these people that he spent so much to build up and build those churches, they're now running after false apostles who are preaching. Mammon. And he says these people have the spirit of Balak. Money preachers. Money preachers. Paul, read his letters. These false teachers, every one of them, base their emphasis not on Jesus Christ and him crucified, not on getting souls saved, not on getting missionaries out, not on growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These words are rare in a lot of churches. Getting a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, seeking first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. That's the emphasis. And we just read that scripture in Isaiah 66 verse 2. This. And yet, the prosperity can cloud our vision. I pray that God raise up multi-millionaires. We pray for this. So that the kingdom of God can be advanced. So that the vision that he has birthed and placed... Uh, in the life of the church can be finances because no vision, uh, and the devil knows it, that all vision is going to take money to bring it to pass. Whatever vision God gives you, money is needed. So you can understand why the number one area that the enemy would attack is finances in the body of Christ. So you can go, you can go to the extreme uh, side of the pendulum on just then focusing on money or just preaching against it. But you find that in a church, in some churches in this borough, uh, Kensington and Chelsea, they don't need to even touch on money, do they, really, to talk about getting money because they have a wealthy congregation. So their messages are going to be completely different than a church that has not a lot of wealth. And so drawing a line and getting the balance is, is important. And that's why the Spirit of God is bringing us this message for us to get a balance that if you have been misguided in your walk with God is to get back on the straight and narrow way and desiring, God, I don't know you as I should know you.
I need to experience you. I don't have your presence in my life as I used to. Oh God, I repent of my back sliding. Or have you got a form of godliness? A form, but the power is gone. Oh Lord. So money can deceive us in thinking that we can protect ourselves and our family from any future difficulties. If we store up as much as we possibly can, it displays unbelief in God. Promise, possession, and attempt to replace him. And we know the story that Jesus now gives of the rich man that had so much money, had a barn filled with goods. And more money is coming in. And he now has to think what to do. Because he had more money than he really needed. More money was coming in. And he says, ah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help the poor. No, he didn't say that. I'm going to give more to the work of God. No, he didn't say that. He says, oh, I'm going to tear down this barn and build myself a bigger barn. What happened? Judgment straight away. Thou fool, your soul is required of you this day. God killed him. Isn't church? God killed the man because of his love for money. Hear what the word of God says. Thou fool. God calls him a fool because of what he said. Because he had a barn filled. So now the excess that's coming in, he should have been now helping his family. He should be now helping the work of God to go out. But no, I'm going to tear down this barn and build a bigger barn. He was self-focused and God killed him there on the spot. A multi-multi-millionaire died. Believer. A believer. Very, very serious this is. This, listen, the Bible speaks more of money more than heaven, more than salvation. The Bible has so much to say in the New Testament alone, about 2,500 words on money. See, because it, it turns and changes a lot of Christians and cause them to be shipwrecking their faith. And so God has allowed that to be there so we don't become victims because we can become victims if we don't realize the power that money holds. We know what we should know that money is powerful. But it cannot get you into heaven. The deceitfulness of riches can easily take root in our heart and choke out the fruit that comes from hearing and obeying the word of God. How to overcome the deceitfulness of riches. It is not wrong for Christians to become millionaires or billionaires, which is, he's going to do in his last days. There are Christian millionaires and billionaires. Um, 
I remember watching uh, one of the uh, uh, programs uh, 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 on um, one of those money programs, and he was a Korean. And wow, he, he just had multiple businesses. He was a billionaire. And, um, and the reporter was asking, what, what, is your, um, what is your priority? And he, he talked his faith. I was so shocked. Um, he talked about his faith in God, talked about his family that he has. And uh, not, obviously, this is not what they expect to hear, that he was upfront about his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, I, I just thought that was so wonderful. And, um, and you can see uh, uh, that that's a, a wonderful example of um, what God wants to do in the lives of those that he will um, bring wealth to. That wealth hasn't got them. Their love for God is more than their love for money and the things that money can buy. I mean, can, can one bring that balance? If you are a billionaire, can your love still outweigh your love for money. You love God more than you love money. You, by then, you'd have a nice house. By then, you'd have other things. But you, your focus is the kingdom. Your focus in God, it can happen. And we've seen over the uh, decades with certain people how um, a man by the name of Norval Hayes, um, people say, well, he was sort of word of faith or whatever, but he was a very, very, very wealthy person. And he, he, he made a commitment in his heart. He said, Lord, I want to be able to give. Listen, he says, 90% tithe and live of the 10%. So he started gradually up in his tithe. And God opened business ventures and business doors. He, he bought land in some way. It was in America. And uh, that land that he bought, the government years later, wanted that land to build things on and offered him a colossal amount of money, millions upon millions. He ended up giving 90% of his earnings to the work of God and living off 10%, and he still was a multi-millionaire. What's your priority? when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to money. We've witnessed over the years men of God falling as a result of money. Their message is changing. It's not the gospel. They'll say it's the gospel they're preaching, but it's not the gospel. Those of you who have been following this ministry on social media, those of you here would have understand what the gospel is, what the true gospel is. And when you hear these ministers who are preaching prosperity, says, you know, we want to get onto more stations. So if you send your donations in, so we can get the gospel out. It's a deception. It's a scam. Because they're not preaching the gospel. They're preaching self-help messages. They're preaching uh, uh, money, greed. 
and they call that the gospel. It's an insult to our Lord Jesus Christ. It's an insult to his sacrifice. But these so-called ministers will answer to God. They are going to stand before God and give an account. And many of them will hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. You scammed my people. Taking up money for this and using it to buy your yacht. Taking up money for this and putting it towards your jet. Showed all these wonderful pictures, what you're doing in Africa, what you're doing in these poor countries, and you're not even doing that. Scam artists that are skillful with their oratorial gift to turn the people and to deceive them. And then the congregation being gullible, not reading the word of God, to really find out what is the true gospel, what is it that Paul taught, the disciples taught? Is it being taught in my church? Or is it another gospel that Paul talks about that is not the gospel that has been preached? Because so many people are going and it seems so excited and delights and all the other things and people get ensnared. Church, as we come to the close of this third group of people that Jesus Christ spoke about that end up shipwrecked in their faith, we are warned concerning the fawns and the thistles, which is money, and Jesus calls it deceitfulness of riches, that literally, and these people were serving God for a while. And so if, if, if we're serving God in, in that time before huge amount of wealth comes into your life, the Holy Spirit will begin to convict and show areas of greed or stinginess or meanness that he wants us to bring to the altar. Says, oh God, I, I'm really mean with my money. I'm really stingy. Lord, I'm, I'm really greedy. I've got a overwhelming desire to have more money. These things should be brought, any unhealthy relationship with money. Hear that again. Any unhealthy relationship with money, that means you have money, but you're mean and you're stingy, unhealthy. You have money and you want more money at the expense of your character and your integrity. Unhealthy. Bring these proclivities, these dispositions, these idiosyncrasies before the Lord Jesus Christ, who, thank you, Lord, who nailed it to the cross. Because those, those things are sins. But he nailed those things to the cross so that grace can flow. And so that these things in our lives can be corrected and dealt with, with in the right manner. Bible. So if there is, you've got a withholding spirit. You know you should give. It is there to give. But there is this thing. That is not God. That's unhealthy. It is unhealthy. Or you just have agreed. Unhealthy. Get the balance. Come to the cross. Lord, purify this heart. Or you can say, 
Search my heart, O Lord, and know my heart and know my life today. See if there be any wicked ways in me. If greed is there, if I'm mean and stingy, Lord, I repent and I renounce these proclivities. Wash me, cleanse me, purge me. What is the prescription for meanness? Think about it. If you're mean, you're withholding. So the prescription is you give. Some people say, oh, Lord, help me to give. Lord, help me to give. Lord, help me to give. And you're using that as a cover-up because you're never going to give. And the prescription is to give. Jesus said it's more what blessed to give than to receive. It's an attitude because the, the human nature is selfish. So you just want to think about me, myself, and I. The human nature is fallen. It's selfish. And so where people are just thinking of themselves, you don't want to give. Jesus says, give, give, and it shall be given. Everything give for God so loved the world that he gave. He bankrupt heaven. God bankrupt heaven by giving his son so that he can have many sons and daughters. Hallelujah. So it's a principle of heaven is giving. Paul says, if you sow what? Sparingly, you shall also reap what? Sparingly. But if you sow what? Bountifully, you shall also reap. The principle is there in Scripture. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we truly thank you this afternoon and give you glory. We thank you for speaking to our hearts and yet again challenging us. Lord Jesus, to look at our lives when it comes to money, to see if we're in that third group of people you spoke about where they allow the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches, the fawns and the thistles you use as an example, to choke the word of God out of their lives. I pray uh, this afternoon, Lord, that uh, if this it fits any descriptions in our lives. Lord, we do not want to stick our head in the sand and ignore it. But Lord God, we bring these dispositions in our lives right now. These shortcomings. It's a shortcoming. It's a sin. Lord God, you call it a sin because you killed a person in the Bible because he uh, was just thinking of his own uh, uh, position of building a bigger barn. And you said your soul is required this very night, and he left all that wealth for someone else who just squandered it. Father, we don't want to be in that position. I thank you, Lord God, that people under the sound of my voice, there are potential millionaires and potential millionaires, entrepreneurs, businessmen and women that you will bless and that you will elevate. Father, I just pray where there is a shortcoming of greed or meanness that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would undertake in our lives, Lord Jesus, so that we're able to put these things on the cross, have it nailed to the cross, and we will have your character, Lord Jesus Christ, and that we will have a heart that is contrite and broken uh, before you so that you are able to take notice of the one who trembles at my word, that's the one I would take notice. Father, I do pray for that disposition 
we pray for that disposition. Lord, a poor and contrite heart, a broken, wanting more of you, and one that trembles at your word. Let that be our disposition. In the name of Jesus.